how do you get to come to work and be creative and disrupt and have that confidence to take risks when you're being watched, when someone's there leaning over your shoulder waiting for you to fail? Like, it doesn't work. And so the freedom that I have had at Bench to create a culture that actually works for people is really because of Ian. He said, not interested in best practices, go and figure out what works. And while I was so terrified because all I knew was best practice, it actually wasn't all I knew because I'd been waiting my whole life to have a canvas to go and create something that actually worked for people. And so some of the things that that I did straight away with, I threw out a bunch of policies. Oh my gosh, even in those first few sentences from our guest today, I'm already on the edge of my seat and I'm sure you are too, because this is a radical woman who is taking the people in culture field by storm. Her company and her leadership team are leading the way and I am in awe of what they've done. But before we get to that, I just need to say, hey there friend, thank you so much for joining. You're amazing because I know that, and you might be surprised by what I just said because you might not feel that way because we are coming through a global pandemic in many places, you know, they're still locked down, they're still experiencing this, and yet the resiliency that we are seeing across the world is just amazing. And and so you're amazing. And so you deserve a pat on the back for still showing up, for still listening to a podcast about work. If you're here with me today, like this is awesome. So thank you so much. But yeah, give yourself some credit. You're doing amazing. Today, our episode is with Bonnie Powell, who's the VP of People at Bench. And this episode was actually recorded before the pandemic. And why didn't I release it? Well, if you listen to episode one of season two, you will hear that, you know, it was just a rough year for me and I didn't have the energy inside of me to produce podcasts in the way I wish I would have. And so I didn't. And that was just a thing that I, you know, chose to do. And that was okay with me. I I was okay with that. Um, But this conversation was so incredible at the time. And now looking back, as you'll listen, it's almost eerie how incredible it really was. Bonnie and her team have been forward thinking in so many regards. They were doing remote work before it was cool and forced upon businesses in the pandemic. They were thinking about so many different parts of work life and how to be great when it comes to work life and the workplace experience that so many businesses were missing and they were already on the forefront of. So just keep that in mind. Just be like, okay, these people were the OGs doing some remote work stuff, some thinking on all these other areas that we'll talk about today. And uh, yeah, so I'm just so grateful for Bonnie and her team, what they're doing over at Bench. They are leading the way. And I am so excited for you to experience this conversation. We are with Bonnie Powell and you're working from your home office in Australia, which is so fun because let's start with that story, Bonnie. I think most people wouldn't really 
be able to say that when they go to their boss with a hard conversation like you had to have, it went as well as it did. So can you share with us a little bit of your past year and a bit and, and how you've transitioned to another country and stayed working for a Vancouver-based amazing organization such as Bench? Yeah, I, I'll do my best to get through it without getting too emotional. We want yeah, emotion. My, my team and the people that work with me know that Bonnie is synonymous with emotion, so it's hard, it's hard to separate. Yeah, I've been at Bench for two and a half years, and about a year ago, I had we had a my husband and I had a really tough decision to make related to our daughter's health. She was born with a heart condition, and we were lucky enough to have the incredible people at BC Children's repair her heart. But the climate in Vancouver was really tough on her during the winter months. And so after another winter of many trips to the eMERGE, pneumonia repeatedly occurring, we, we decided we needed, uh, upon the advice of her pediatrician, to move back to Australia, where the climate, not all of Australia, but where I grew up on the Sunshine Coast, is pretty temperate all year. And okay. so I had a, a really tough conversation with my boss, Ian, who is one of the most amazing humans. And I said, this is the hardest thing I've ever had to, to do is to leave a job that I love and care so much about, but I have to move back to Oz for my daughter. And so I need to resign. And he said, what? You don't need to resign. Just be remote. And I said, but I'm your head of people. How am I supposed to be remote? Yeah. And he said, Bonnie, you've figured out harder things in life before, figure it out. And uh, so here we are nearly a year later. It is, I travel back, I travel back often to spend time with my team and to spend time with the executive team. And I feel like the luckiest person in the world in that I get to do what I love every day, wake up and interact via video call with some of the most incredible humans I've ever had the privilege of meeting and I call and they're on my team and, and do work that is, so incredibly meaningful and allow Ian has allowed me to then take care of my, my child. So it's just, it's an incredible story and I feel very lucky to be able to share it with you. Yes. And I love that you're my first person to do a, a live on LinkedIn podcast <laughs> recording because you've clearly got an awesome video setup. So compared to a lot of people, you're like already, this is so normal for you, which is great. It's the way that we're moving towards, which I love to hear. So yeah, thanks if, a lot we, for that, by the way. I pulled an audible on her. I was like, so we're gonna just do a live video on LinkedIn, right? Like you're cool with that? I was like five video. minutes ago. <laughs> five minutes ago, yeah. Yeah. Well yeah, it's, it's kind of my style. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> this is slightly terrifying for me, but let's let's do it. Well, I mean, if I listen to that story, and again, as I was almost prefacing it, it's like you don't hear that story very much. You hear we're set in our ways, that's not gonna work, sort of this defeatist mentality. Bench went the complete opposite way and said, no, we make things work. That's the company we want and we're building that. And that was sort of probably a defining moment for you where a lot of the work that you had been doing the year previous to build culture and focus on culture and work with the executive leadership team to focus on the culture and build what you thought you were going to build. Then when push came to shove and it was tested to its limit, it worked. And so let's go back then, you know, two and a half years ago when you joined the team, what was the culture like and how did you, how have you thought through that with your executive team? 
So the culture was always magnetic and it was the it was one of the key things that drew me to bench. What I love about the the, the startup world is you know this freedom to essentially throw away the rule book. This corporate rule book that has governed organizations from the beginning of time of this is right, this is wrong, this is how business is done. And, and what I love about the startup world is that they're really challenging that notion of best practice. And actually one of the things that Ian said to me when I first joined is, I'm not interested in best practice, it doesn't really work. Go figure out what actually works for our business and go deliver that. And so that was one of the things that that drew me to Bench from a cultural perspective. And what it was like at the time was incredible, but I think that what we have now is even more special. One of the first initiatives that I took on and encouraged Ian to take on was to publish these principles that he had in his head. And so he had these five principles, which was, you know, which he introduced to folks in our Bench Academy, which is the the, the first day of, of joining. Yeah. You got an introduction to the company. And I said, we need to share this in a way that is more accessible than just on your first day. And so in, in really digging into what are the things that make us unique? What are the things that we truly believe in? And, and what are the, what does it look like to really have a workable, thriving culture? And so we experimented with a, a bunch of ideas and then we ended up publishing these five principles. Mm. Um, and I think in doing so, there are two that have really resonated with our people, experiment together and default open. And there is nothing, I have never experienced anything quite like it. The yeah. freedom to experiment and the freedom to experiment and fail you know, it's one thing to say, oh, yeah, go run an experiment. But in the back of your mind, you're thinking this better not fail because yeah. if it does, I'm out. Huh. And that, that is the opposite. It, and one of the conversations that I love the most having with my team and that Ian has had with me so many times, isn't that amazing? You ran a failed experiment. Right. What have you learned? And to have an environment where you can fail and really learn and lean into your learning. I mean, I think that's why we are where we are today. Hey friend, just taking a quick break from our episode today because I can't wait to tell you about my sponsor for this year. They're called Peninsula Canada. And the reason I've brought them on as a sponsor is because if you've been listening to this podcast for any amount of time, you probably already know I have a love-hate relationship with HR. There are certain things that I know HR is necessary for, and there are certain things that HR needs to grow and develop in. But in a lot of small businesses that I've worked with and alongside and heard from, they still realize that HR is hard. And so what Peninsula Canada does is they support small business owners, startups across Canada by helping them manage their HR and their health and safety. And they do this through 24-7 advice, ensuring your workplace and staff are protected, that your contracts and documentation are up to standard, and that you're supported with employment-related matters. So they've got all sorts of services, HR outsourcing, HR consultancy, online software for HR, management of how you do HR in your business, and just advisement. So again, as you probably hear me talk about many times in this podcast, 
There are definitely some things that need to change in the way that HR works, but there's also some incredibly important things that are never going away and that you probably need support with in your business. In the show notes today, there's a link to their website and it will take you to a page where you can enter the code culture and they will totally take care of you. So I highly recommend that if you are somebody that is kind of throwing their hands up in the air about HR, or maybe you don't have an HR employee at your company, or maybe you only have one and they're totally overworked and they need an extra set of hands, but you don't yet feel like hiring that second HR person or that director of HR or the head of HR, maybe this is a next step for you. And Peninsula is the step I would encourage you in taking. That's it. I'm not a big ads guy, but I am so thankful for them and I could not do the show without them. So please show them your support. If you support me, at least give them a chance and have a call with them to see if it might be the right fit for you. Yeah. And so let's talk a little bit about what you've seen over the time period. I mean, there has been some highs and lows at Bench. You know, I think you were describing a little bit of of a low, but I think it was probably a, a really hard thing to go through. You had to let go of some people last year. Can you tell us about that experience? How did you take a people first approach to that? And and what was sort of the lead up and then the fallout? Like, what did that look like? Yeah, that was really tough. It was about March last year and we were at an executive offsite and we looked at our financials. We looked at our numbers and we came to terms with the fact that business wasn't going the way that we needed it to go. And that meant pivoting in a direction where we needed to say goodbye to some individuals and divest some areas of our business that weren't really returning profitable results that we needed. And so, you know, the immediate default was, okay, what's the playbook here? What do, what do companies do in this instance? It was the first company-wide layoff that the incidents of, you know, saying goodbye to folks that I had led. Mm -hmm. And so I was terrified. I knew that, I knew that we needed to live and breathe our principles through, through this time. It's one thing to have principles when things are going well and to say, you know, these are the shiny things that, that happen when business is good. It's another thing to really live them when times are tough and, 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 so proud to say that we did that. It doesn't mean that it was easy and it doesn't mean that lives weren't impacted, but the the approach that we took was uh, a default open one. So Ian and I worked on a communication that we shared with the entire company in confidence and said, you know, in order to stay alive, in order to continue the pursuit of changing a million clients' lives, which is what what we're out to do is bring the mastery to a million people we've got to keep this business afloat. And the only way we can do that is to reduce our burn rate, reduce our costs. And one of the ways we did that was by by saying goodbye to some of our friends. So we shared that information with the entire company. And that's not typical. Most, I've been in organizations where one day you turn up, everyone gets brought into a room and all of a sudden you walk in with a job and you walk out without one. And we just knew that wasn't the approach that we wanted to take. We... a, because it didn't feel very, it didn't feel at all like people are everything. And right. the other reason is that, you know, the people that are left behind need to feel like they can trust the leaders who are running this company. 
And so, you know, we preach default open and people are everything. How could people have felt that if we had just blindsided them with, okay, all of a sudden these people are leaving. And so we shared as much as we possibly could. It was really tough for some people to know in advance that the individuals themselves didn't know, but we shared at a company-wide level that we will be letting about 20 people go. And in the end, it was 18. And some people really reacted poorly to the advance notice. And there were people that were frightened of sharing the news and what the outcome would be, but I knew it was the right thing to do. And I knew that that's what we had to do to lean into living what we said, which was being open and putting people first. And as it was, you know, I think that the general response to those people who who lost their jobs was, you know, thank you for approaching this in such a human-centric way. Thank you for the respect that you've given us. We had one-on-one conversations with each individual and provided references and and all sorts of things to support them on their next chapter. Certainly one of the most difficult things I've ever been through. Hopefully we'll never have to go through that again. Business is thriving. We're, you know, we've completely turned the ship around and and growing like crazy. (laughs) Have anybody, has anybody that left come back? We actually did reach out to a couple of folks, but the timing hadn't wasn't they had right. Already found a new thing. Yeah, yeah. But it's in, and so it's funny because I've had friends of mine say, "I'm confused. You're hiring 250 people, but didn't you just have that thing right. that happened?" And I said, "Yeah, <laughs> we did. We had this thing that happened, and and the, our strategy worked. And as a result, we're now growing like crazy. My recruitment team has doubled." They hired nearly 300 people last year, which is no small feat in Vancouver. So yeah, it's, it's, it was a year of learning and really being, I was, like I said, I was, I was afraid. I was scared about how it was going to go. And I think it went as well as it possibly could have. Okay. So I'm doing the quick mental math. Were you guys sitting at about 250 people when you needed to lay people off? What, how, what was your employee count before that? Gosh, I'm thinking back. So it was, yeah, it would have, it would have been around three, between 250 and 300. Okay. And so then four, we're at 467 now. Whoa. Oh, that's overwhelming to me. I'm just so excited that there's a Canadian story like this, that, you know, that's number one, but also just the fact that you're being culture pioneers, right? You're showing Mm -hmm. the world what it looks like to grow rapidly and do this well and maintain a culture that people love to come and be part of. I mean, my my interview last year that I finished the year off was with Carolyn Chen from Article, another Vancouver story, fastest growing company in Canada. And, you know, you, both of you, I'm just like, yes, these amazing people leaders. I'm so thankful that you're being willing to share your stories with me and my audience, but just more importantly, that you're doing this and you're literally reinventing the way that we do culture. And I really believe that this is going to be something people are writing about and learning about in HR degrees and, you know, et cetera, in school, because it's like, whoa, we've never done this well before. We've learned from people in the past. I'm sure like, let's talk about that. You know, best practice is one thing, but also there have been some people that have probably paved the way for you to learn what you learn so that you can show up to work the way you show up with your expertise. What has your pathway to knowing what you know been like, other than just learning from what your experiences at Bench? Well, it's a great, a great question. I was 
born with this knowing that I needed to leave the world in a better state than I found it. And I think where I really struggled throughout my corporate career is feeling like the value that I created in my, in the roles that I was in was so limited and that I was, you know, kind of just on that corporate hamster wheel, if you like. And so that there was this always this inner knowing within me that said, you know, we deserve, like people deserve to be treated in a way that is is respectful and so that they can come to work feeling inspired. Hmm. You, the demand for creativity today is so high, disruption. How do you get to come to work and be creative and disrupt and have that confidence to take risks when you're being watched, when someone's there leaning over your shoulder, waiting for you to fail, like it doesn't work. And so the freedom that I have had at Bench to create a culture that actually works for people is really because of Ian. Ian gave me that freedom to do that. He said, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, not interested in best practices, go and figure out what works. And while I was so terrified because all I knew was best practice. It actually wasn't all I knew because I'd been waiting my whole life to have a canvas to go and create something that actually worked for people. And so some of the things that that I did straight away with, I threw out a bunch of policies. (laughs) Um, I just said, we're we're not doing that anymore. We had clawbacks in a bunch of our, a bunch of our policies. So, you know, you, you get a thing, but then you owe us. And I said, that, that doesn't feel right. How about we just invest in you and then you don't owe us anything. And if you stick around, that's wonderful. And if you don't, you go off into the world more developed or more supported and you get to take that with you into the world. Isn't that what's important? And so our maternity leave policy and paternity leave policy had a clawback. And I said, why are we doing that? You know, going through an event like having it, bringing a child into the world is so transformational and you really have no idea what it's going to mean on the other end for you. Why would we force somebody to come back to a job that they're now perhaps no longer connected to because their life has changed in whatever way? Why would we force them to come back and penalize them monetarily if they don't? Why wouldn't we just say, if you want to come back we've got something for you that's exciting. And if you don't, you know, we wish you well. And so, you know, there was a little resistance initially when I presented that. And, you know, I was thrilled that those are the types of things that I've been able to, you know, either throw out, (laughs) throw out the clawback or, you know, create, we have unlimited, we have unlimited vacation and We don't keep track of how many sick days you've had. You know, it's like, we want you to be well. We don't want you to be thinking, oh my goodness, I've got one more day left before I don't get paid. So that was a very long-winded answer. I apologize. No, I love it. I'm a little passionate about, you know, what works and what doesn't. And the last thing I'll say on this, Tynan, is that I think where a lot of organizations go wrong is they focus on the things that don't matter. So, and what I mean by that is, At Bench, we focus on outcomes. So it's not relevant how many hours you spend at your desk. It's not relevant where you do your work. What's relevant to us is, 
Are you delivering the results that we need to see? What are the outcomes that you're generating? And if you're doing that, the rest doesn't matter. And so I, I interview people for my team all the time and they say, what are the hours? What, what hours do your team? And I said, you choose your hours. We want you to have a life that works for you. And no longer are people, you know, wanting to be chained to their desk. I have team members that recently joined us that said they left their last job. They were being monitored on how many bathroom breaks they took and would get an email to say, dear sir or miss, I've noticed that you're taking, you know, more than your allotted bathroom breaks. I was like, oh my gosh, what, what year are we in? Rather than focusing on, you know, how long someone's at their desk, what about their performance? What about their contribution? Are they doing, are they delivering the things that you expect? And if the answer is yes, let them be. If they're not, then let's have a conversation about where the performance isn't meeting expectations. Let's have a conversation about how, you know, like what's working and what isn't. Let's figure out what's happening for that person in their life that they're not delivering. And that, that happens often for me. Someone will come and say, you know, I'm overwhelmed at work and we'll dig into what they've got on their task list or their outcome list and I'll say that doesn't seem like so much what else is going on and then from there you get oh well this has happened and this has happened and I'm dealing with all of these things in my personal life and so from there we can say okay well why don't you take the time that you need right and and tackle the things that happen in your personal life because life is messy and it's certainly not you you certainly can't separate them you can't say bring your work self and leave your personal self at home. We're just one. We're one self and it bleeds over whether you like it or not. And I think organizations that continue to not acknowledge that are going to lose good people. And I mean, you're giving me every justification of why I can never stop doing this podcast because until that person that hears that having bathroom breaks monitored at their company is not okay anymore, I can't stop my work. You know, like we've got a job to do, right? What is happening? And and I and and the the other thing I'll say is that you know these this is the way that people have been trained. This is the norm. Like what we're doing is breaking through and being brave enough to say that actually doesn't matter. That doesn't matter that this is this is an opportunity for other people and other organizations to to say wow there is another way because up until recently that was the only way you monitored absenteeism you monitored how long someone was on their desk you monitored the how busy they looked yeah and busyness is not a proxy for success you can be the busiest person and produce pretty crappy results oh yeah I yeah. mean, I, I love hearing this. I remember when I was working in consulting, people figured out a way to like get a bot to move around their mouse so that it would show that they were available and working on Skype business when they went to the gym. Because oh if they God. went to the gym in the afternoon when their mind was tired and they needed a break so they could do the rest of the day, their manager wasn't able to understand that and how that's like there's way more research to prove now that we cannot work for eight hours straight than there is to say that we can so it's just so funny how much this stuff matters and yet that resistance to change is still so present so the thing you kept touching on for me or what was peaking in my mind was actually a lot about 
you have a you have the potential to have a lot of amazing data about what you've done, whether it's from people analytics, knowing uh, do you do any sort of people analytics work? Do you measure success of your culture and cultural sort of contributions? I mean, it would be really interesting, I think, for a lot of people to understand when you were at about 250 people, laid off about 20, then started hiring again, what the sort of culture felt like, what how people's trust in the organization was being reported, your ENPS score. Like, did you look at any of that? And do you believe in any of that? What is that like for you at Bench? We, well, we do invest in analytics and we were just going through the final stages of hiring a strategist for my team so that we can have more capacity and more opportunity to look at those things that, yeah. that are off the side of someone's desk right now. So we use CultureAmp and we have experimented with a balance between surveying at one point we were surveying quarterly the problem with it it's a bit of a sort of a catch-22 because if you survey too often and don't create meaningful change people feel like well you're not listening so why should i tell you the things again but if you wait too long you potentially miss the window of the sentiment how people are feeling Ultimately, what we want to get to is a point where we know how people are feeling without having to administer a company-wide survey. But it is really interesting. It is really interesting to look at the results. And for sure, there was a, we lost people after the layoffs in April of last year that voluntarily left. They left because they were uncertain about our future. They were feeling unsteady about, you know, coming to work at Bench and that's, you can't blame them. And, you know, so people, so yes, we went through a period where I think the sentiment was concern. People were worried about whether there was going to be another round that we were very intentional about doing it once and that was all. But I think that it was good credit to Ian and the openness of the executive team that were able to sense it and then really have open dialogue about it. So we hosted on a very regular basis shortly before the layoffs, during and then after is company-wide Q&A sessions where people could ask anything. And so Ian's philosophy is you can ask me anything, book a coffee with me anytime and I'll tell you anything and everything you want to know about the company. Our financials, how we're doing as a company, those are shared internally with everyone. If you want access to it, you get it. There's no secret information. Of course, outside of our client information is private and our employee information is private, but anything that can be shared is. And so we really, we knew that it was a difficult time and we just said, let's just come together, share your fears, share your concerns with us. And then as the business started to turn around and our numbers started to increase and opportunities started pouring in, I think that coupled with the openness about how our business was doing and the opportunities in front of us really changed the energy from that of, oof, should I be looking for another job to, wow, this is an exciting place to be part of and Bench isn't going anywhere. Well, it is. It's just going (laughs) up. (laughs) I love that. So... I mean, you're reminding me of a company that is similar in their transparency, which is Buffer. And I don't know if you've ever heard of what they sort of do, but they share their financials. They share even the way that they pay their employees. I'm curious, are your salaries shared at Bench? 
That's a good question. And compensation is a very sensitive matter for an employee. It's 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 possibly the most sensitive thing for an employee is their yeah. compensation. And one of the, the other journeys that we've been on is transforming our compensation to a more performance aligned program. Yeah. When we, you know, when the company was smaller, we had a, a, an approach which was, you know, very impartial and it was about if you have this much experience in this role you get paid this amount and we as we started to scale we realized that approach didn't work anymore we needed to be able to differentiate performance reward performance and so since i started we've implemented variable pay almost across the business so there's you know bonus schemes and whatnot some parts of the organization to answer your question yes we're totally transparent about our, our compensation and in other parts of the business, we're still working to get it right. Hmm. And so the intent is absolutely to share compensation, our framework and our salary bands. That's amazing. A great goal and a scary one too, because yeah. it can, it's a can of worms to open up for sure. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> You know, every time I think about it, I'm like, mm -hmm, we should do that. That's terrifying, but that's never stopped us before. And we're committed to getting there. I have an incredible person who, who owns and manages our, our compensation program. Yeah. Uh, he's doing such amazing work. And I have absolutely no doubt we'll be in a position to share salary bands, midpoints, ranges wow. across the company. That's amazing. So the one thing that comes to mind as well is surrounding, again, this concept of growth. If I'm estimating in my head, I'm not the greatest at mental math, but you kind of almost grew 40% last year. Is that right? Yeah. That close. Okay. How did that work in terms of making sure that the people that joined, and so you talked about kind of that first day onboarding, mm -hmm. what was it called again? Bench Academy. Bench Academy. Now, how long does that last? Is it's? I'm assuming it's not just one day. It's for how advanced you are in culture. It seems like you would do a lot for that. Tell it us about your onboarding. It was three days and we realized that there was some repetitiveness and some redundancies. Yep. So it actually is one day now, but the immersion in our culture and the opportunities that people yep. have uh, to learn about our business doesn't stop on, on day one. Exactly. So, yeah. mm -hmm. it's and what does that look like? For a lot of folks, they're joining this tech startup environment for the first time. So we talk about what it means to work for a SaaS company, what it means to work in tech, how the different departments connect to each other, how the big picture, you know, what it looks like as a whole. He spends time with, he always goes over because he's so passionate about like how he's, why he started this company, the principles that, that sort of help us guide and navigate decision-making. He spends time talking about that. The people team has uh, a chance to, to chat with the new folks about these are our expectations. You know, this is what culture looks like. We have, we have four o'clock Friday, which is a, an opportunity for benchmates to come together and share in a beverage yeah. on, on Friday at four o'clock. And we talk about, you know, this is a workplace. And so we want you to have a good time, but be an adult, let us treat you like an adult. And then, you know, where to go if you need coaching, where to go if you have, you know, any concerns about your employee experience. So that really makes up the first day, but then it just continues in a less, in a less structured way. And going back to this concept of what you've done a lot in terms of shifting from just set or years of experience and now you're kind of going more to performance are you starting to incorporate culture into performance it's a question that i'm starting to ask people on the podcast because more and more it's i mean patty mccord always talks about like 
the brilliant jerk. And you know, oh, yeah. how do you get that person that's an, not the nicest, but is really good at their job and is still getting, you know, it looks like they're really great because their performance review doesn't incorporate that they're mm -hmm. a jerk. So what have you it, done for that? It doesn't fly, Tynan. We just don't. And I think there's another word than jerk, but we won't say it. We are incredibly unwavering in our commitment to the, the culture that we're creating. It's very intentional. It hasn't happened by accident. And that requires us to have sometimes, you know, say goodbye to people who are really good at what they do, but just are toxic to the culture. Right. Um, you can't have both. You can't make exceptions. There isn't a culture where you have people feeling supported and thriving, but, oh, but that person over there, they're producing really great numbers. So we'll just let them continue to be a, a jerk, to use your word. The, the Australians use a little more colorful language, but I'll reserve that today. You're so um, kind. I would have just said asshole. That's what yeah, you're, okay. <laughs> you're fine. Um, so we are, yeah, that it is absolutely not yeah. tolerated. Any kind of bullying behavior, harassment behavior yeah. is taken so incredibly seriously. We want a workplace where people feel safe, supported, and can come and thrive. You can't do that if you're worried that somebody is intimidating you or, you know, eye rolling across the table. It's just not tolerated. And it doesn't happen often at all because we're so intentional about the people we hire. We hire people first on attitude and second on skill. You know, we're doing a lot of executive hiring at the moment and you can be the smartest most accomplished person but if you have a big ego or think that you know everything and are not open to ideas it just doesn't work we look for people who are humble and brilliant yeah. so you have to have you have to have the two ends the two bookends there for mm -hmm. it to work so to answer your question you know from a performance perspective your how you are being the way you are being is equally if not more important than the results you're producing You've told us a lot about where you're going, but is there anything else you'd like to share? And even maybe something you would charge other people that are in a similar position to you leading the culture and the people function of the business. What are you sort of saying, hey, join me on this, you know, quest to, to do things better? What's one thing you're trying to do better? And maybe that you would say, yeah, you should probably do that too. What's one thing? Four or five things, but maybe not. I want to honor your time. <laughs> I think at the heart of it is we're here at Bench to transform the lives of a million business owners. It is really tough to be a small business owner and an entrepreneur. And what we do is take care of your finances so you can focus on your business. But we only get to do that. And other organizations only get to live their purpose and live their mission and achieve that mission if they have people that truly feel connected to why they're there. So your goal as people leaders is to unlock and let go of all the things, the corporate things that are holding your people back from achieving their ultimate potential and therefore achieving your company mission. So really look honestly at what's working for your people and what isn't working and don't be afraid to try something new. Maybe it fails, and if it does, you learn something, but you certainly won't get different results if you keep doing the same things you're doing. Brilliant. Bonnie Powell, 
head of people at Bench. Like, wow, my mind is blown. And thank you so much for being with us. You're hiring still? We are hiring. We are always hiring. Okay, so if you've heard this and you're like, wow, I need to get out of where I am. I'm brilliant. I'm humble. (laughs) Throw in an application because I think more people probably would love to work at your place. Thank you so much for having me on here. And, you know, it was, like I said, slightly terrifying to do a, a live event with you. It's been an honor and a pleasure. And thank you for the work that you are doing and, and for the stories that you're sharing and bringing into the world. You bet. I, I honestly love doing it. So it's a privilege. You're amazing. Be blessed. Thanks, Tynan. Well, that's a wrap on an amazing episode. Honestly, I'm not one to play favorites. But this could possibly be like a top three episode ever for me on my podcast. And it's just because I feel like I'm a kind of kindred spirit to Bonnie. She kind of waited her whole career and had been thinking about so many ways that the rules could be broken. And especially that word best practice, kind of throwing that away and saying what actually just works for our people at at Bench, you know, this is me paraphrasing what she said, and and for, you know, company culture moving forward. So a big thank you to Bonnie for her vulnerability, for her honesty, and obviously the disclaimer, you know, from before and same as now that, yes, this episode was recorded actually quite a while ago before the pandemic, but the golden nuggets that are still in there, the timeless pieces of information and guidance and direction for all of us that we can all look to apply at our organizations is just real and priceless. There were probably some things in there that were like dates and obviously Bonnie moved probably now two years ago to Australia, not just one year ago, or they had to let go of a few people, not last year, but the year before. So sorry that it's not as quote unquote current But again, it just was more timeless than anything. And so that's why I wanted to still release it and was so excited too. Because again, like I said, it's probably one of my favorite podcast episodes that I've ever done. That's it on the episode today. As I mentioned before, you can check the show notes for a link to our sponsor's uh, website, Peninsula. And if you use the code culture, they'll hook you up. They'll get you set up with a free call and a listening ear for some of your HR issues that you might be struggling with and might need some extra support with. I highly recommend you reach out to them. And lastly, I would love for you to connect with me on LinkedIn. It's sort of the only platform that I talk about this stuff with. All my other platforms are like so random. (laughs) I'm not the best at personal branding, but LinkedIn is my play place. And I just love connecting with people that are listening to the podcast or are engaged in this diversity and inclusion, equity, belonging, company culture, HR space, all of those words, the buzzwords that never seem to have an end. Um, I love talking about those. And also what I'm going to start doing is actually, you know, totally novel idea. I'm actually launching an email kind of campaign and list. Um, I've had a few requests for people to just say, hey, do you have an email list I can sign up for? And I'm like, "Uh, not really. (laughs) Don't really do that stuff. Again, not a big ad guy, not a big advertising guy, but I do care so much about this work that I'm realizing that it's really important. And so if you go to my website, culturing.com, there's going to be a sign up for that. And what I'm basically going to be doing is just sharing 
great resources, great articles. Um, probably the main thing that I'll be doing is sort of like a top articles of the month uh, sort of blast. Um, and, you know, also then sharing about my podcast episodes that are coming out. So it will not be overwhelming or daunting for you if you sign up. There will be some helpful things coming your way and I promise not to like bother you hugely because <laughs> I have way too many emails that I'm already signed up to so I'm sure you're in the same boat and I would not want to add to the chaos of life. Anyways, love you all, you're amazing and I hope you have a splendid day. Be blessed. Thank you.